open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we are continuing our study that we've been doing for quite some time on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we're getting close to the end. Um, but uh, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, you know, in, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is uh, clearly winding down the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, in, in my perspective, the way I look at it anyway, he knows that you know he's... He's winding down the message, and and he's and he's starting to um, really drill down on how we as believers should act, and <clears throat> really the whole sermon on, on the mount is is how we should act. But more specifically, in in chapter seven, um, he deals with the important aspects in our lives of discernment and how how to make good choices. So that we 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 live right uh, is basically the way I understand um, uh, chapter seven, and uh, so uh, this this section I've I have entitled uh, "How Should a, a Believer of Christ Act?" Uh, so you know this is the 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 driving force uh, in this uh, last chapter. Um, and we've, we've talked about the, the uh, parable of the, the beam and the moat, um, uh, the discerning Christian, uh, the, 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 the dependent Christian. Uh, the, we talked about the golden rule. And then the last time we talked about the, the, the broad gate and the narrow gate. And, and uh, so tonight we're going to continue uh, in this um, uh, the thought of discernment. So tonight uh, we're going to talk about false teachers. Uh, this is the next section that Jesus goes into. Uh, in verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets <clears throat> which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly uh, they are ravenous, ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruit, do men gather grapes of thorns and figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Uh, every tree that bringeth uh, not forth uh, good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruit, you shall know them. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you uh, for this day. Thank you for your love. And Lord, thank you for your, your word that, that teaches us everything that we need to know about living a, a, a good, solid Christian life. And Lord, we ask that you'd um, uh, meet with us tonight, that you'd give us wisdom, and that you would help us uh, to walk close to you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> About two or three weeks ago, uh, Melanie and I were in California, or let me rephrase it, the People's Republic of California. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, anyway, we were in California, and uh, we were visiting with the purpose of the trip was to see my cousin, uh, whose mom had just died, and uh, we wanted to check on them and see how they were doing. Um, but while we were in California, we we went by 
uh, a friend of ours, uh, Pastor Perry, uh, uh, I believe it's Faith Baptist in, in, in um, Folsom, California. Uh, and anyway, we were picking something up and and um, so we, we stood and talked to him for a, a probably a good hour and a half, hour, hour and a half. And we, you know, we were just talking and, and he has, he, even though he's younger than, than I am, uh, he's pastored uh, quite a bit longer than I have. So uh, whenever I'm around him, I like to glean as much as I can from him. So we were, we were talking and, and um, <clears throat> as we were getting ready to leave, I asked him, I said, hey, how can I pray for you? How can, how can we pray for you? And he, he, he stopped and he thought for a minute and he said, well, he said, uh, honestly, he said, um, right now, he says, I have a, a, a man in our church. I don't know. I, I don't remember exactly the phraseology that he used, but basically he says, I have a false teacher in my, in my church who's causing uh, division. And uh, he said, if you could pray that I, could, I would have wisdom on how to deal with it, I, 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 would, I would appreciate it. So that started a conversation on this, and uh, knowing that I'd be speaking on this subject soon, um, he said something that I hope I never forget. He said... <clears throat> I have found that over the years of pastoring, and like I said, he's pastored a long time. He said, what I have found over the years is every time a false prophet or a false teacher, whatever you want to call them, pops their heads up in my church, he said, there's always one thing that I've always been able to identify. Okay, what is it? He said... It's always an older man, and he always starts in the book of Revelation. He said every single time in my ministry, and and he's been a pastor of a couple of different churches, he said every single time it's been the exact same thing. And as I was preparing and I was putting my thoughts together, my thought of that conversation came back as I was preparing these notes and, and I, I thought, how, how very tragic. But as we get into this message, it, it, what he says makes perfect sense. And, I, and, you'll, and as, I, as I go through the message tonight, hopefully... <clears throat> it'll make sense to you what he said because after studying this, it makes perfect sense to me. So, the false teacher, uh, the, first, the first point under that tonight is this. Who are they? Who, who, are, the, who are the false teachers that, that Jesus himself is warning us about? Well, believe it or not, in verse 15, we're given a description of who they are. We're going to look at a few ways that we can know them, a few things that we can use 
to identify who they are. The first one, the first, I, I'm, I, for, I don't know why, but I call them steps. Did I give you these, Chris? Okay, the first step to identifying a false prophet or a false teacher is they are among us. Because who does, who is, well, let's read it. Uh, beware of false prophets which, what? Come to you. They're here. In, for, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who uh, privately shall bring in damnation, da- excuse me, damnable heresies, uh, uh, even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Possibly the most important factor is this one. They're here. They're in our church. And and as I as we were talking to Pastor Perry and he was, you know, we were talking and he was giving us more, uh, he was educating us more on this. Every every time it's been it's been deacons, it's been it's been prominent people in his church. That's a scary thought. They're not people coming from outside the church causing problems in the church. It's people in the church that are causing the problem. And that's what Jesus is warning about. These are people that we know. These are people that we've spent time with, we've prayed for, we've prayed with. We've ministered to, and quite quite possibly they've ministered to us. These are our friends that Jesus is talking about here, that we need to be aware of. I have a question for you. Why is this first step in understanding this so important? Anybody? John? Yeah, the, the the first the first step they're they're among us. Why why is it so on, so important to understand that they that they could be among us, Brian? So you know they exist. So they know it's, yeah. So we know that they exist. Yes. Okay. Yes, sir. There you go. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we can be careful. Because what does Jesus start off by saying here? The first word in verse 15 is beware. These people are out there. Exactly. See, if, if, if you don't know truth... When you hear something that is close to being true, is it easy to believe? Yeah. Absolutely it is. But what is it? Well, I, I don't want to get into I want to, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So <clears throat> when Jesus was getting ready to 
send his disciples out for the first time. The, his disciples had traveled with him for a while, and, and Jesus had been teaching them one-on-one -on -one for, for, for a, quite a while. And he was getting ready to send them out to the, to the witness to people. What do you think Jesus told them? Hey, guess what? You're going to go out there into the world and you're going to tell people about me and they're going to flock around you and everything is going to be great. Is that what he told them? No. What did he tell them? Beware. In, in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep into the midst of what? wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Do you think there's some advice there for us? In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15 and, and Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, Jesus uses the word wolves to describe false teachers. False prophets, if you would. So the first step to identifying them is to understand that they are among us. The second step is just as important. They look and act right. Because why? How do we know that? Because they're in sheep's clothing. In other words, you won't know it until it's too late. More often than not, they will be involved in the church affairs. They will be oftentimes in church leadership. Everyone, usually, for the most part, will know who they are. They're usually very charismatic individuals. But I want you to think about this. If everyone that wasn't, uh, you know, if, let's see, how, how do I want to put this? <clears throat> if, some, if somebody new came into the church and wanted to become a, you know, that wanted to cause trouble and, you know, and, discord in the in the in the church and you know they're relatively new would they have a big effect on the people no what do they do they come in they integrate themselves into the church and then when they have a following so to speak they kind of drop the ball and, 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 and I know, I know, I know all of you out here right now, most of you anyway. And I know most of you very well. And, 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 you, and I know many of you are sitting there thinking, oh, that would never happen here. Well, I'm here to tell you, it has. It's just part of life. And there are people, there are people out there with the sole purpose of going into churches to cause problems. 
That's what they do. And Jesus here very clearly is warning us about these people. So, they're among us. They look and act right. They'll conform to whatever situation they need to. But number three, they have ulterior motives. How do I know that? Look at verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly. What is that? That's talking about their heart. Their heart is got a problem. They come in with with ulterior motives. They say, no, people wouldn't do that. Yes, people do that. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, it says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be uh, ornaments of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse 10, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Now, I want to I talk about this verse for a minute because th- this verse has huge implications in each of our lives. Do you you know what the word uh, entice means? To tempt, okay? Seduce, coerce. Every time I see this word, I think of the one pastime that I've always wanted to do, but I've never had time to do. Fly fish. <laughs> okay. What what is fly fishing? It is <laughs> standing in the cold water. You know, no, it is. And the, the 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 thing the thing about fly fishing that has always been appealing to me is I don't I'm not putting real like worms and stuff out there. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what time of the year it is, what kind of fly to get, what river I'm in. I mean, you know, a good fly fisherman will have up to 2000 different flies. For the different rivers and lakes or whatever whatever center. And what is the what is the whole point of fly fishing, that I can be smarter than that stupid fish. And I'm going to do everything I can in my power to get that stupid fish to bite my stupid hook so I can stand there, take the hook out of his mouth, and put it back in the river. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I mean, think about it. It is so ridiculous. But to me, it, 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 is, it is so incredibly fun. Oh. But I don't do it because I don't have time. Because it, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you have to do often in order to be good at it. It's like golf. 
It's like golf, yes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but but th- that word entice, that is that word. And and it's and it's it's not just a a matter of <clears throat> you know, we went and uh, a few few months ago, we uh, took the grandkids fishing up at uh, Lake Lure, I, I, uh, Almanor, uh, Lake Lake Almanor, um, and uh, we took the grandkids up there, and, and the and the you know the um, the three oldest, um, yeah, John was there too. Um, the three oldest, we, we I took them up there, and I went up I went up to the bait store, and I and I got some little fish, salmon eggs, you know, and you know I hooked them all up and. Got them already, and I cast that out for them, and I said, "Here, now hold this." And Scarlett, I mean, the the, the hook barely hit the water, and she goes, "So when am I going to get a fish?" Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> this is not a fisherwoman. I'm telling you, this is, you know, because she she's the whole time, the whole time for for like two days, she was talking about how they're going to catch enough fish. To have everybody so we can all have fish tacos, and, and that, that I mean that that <clears throat> that fish egg barely got wet, and she was expecting every fish for a hundred miles to come and bite on her hook. <laughs> My point is this: fishermen don't feed fish. What do they do? They try to lure them in. They try to entice them. And this is this is a purposeful act. This is not a something that just happens. When you go fishing, you go, you're on a mission. You're on a mission. Why? Because you want to devour some fish. Now, I, I could, I, I, we didn't catch any fish, but I can tell you what would have happened if we had caught a fish. As soon as we had pulled the fish out of the water, what would the kids have wanted to do? Put it right back in. <laughs> no, we can't kill them, you know. <clears throat> so my point is this. It is a deliberate act to get us to sin. And these people, these people... That's what they're they're doing. This is a deliberate act, something that is revealed in their hearts. Step number four to this: What do they offer? Really, what does a false prophet offer us? Brand new news. Oftentimes it's, hey, you know what? I have figured something out that nobody else knows. Second yeah. <laughs> Peter chapter 16, verse 18. Uh, 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 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 16 18. But was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds 
that are carried with a tempest to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words, words of vanity, they allure, there's that word again, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. In verse 17, can you go back to verse 17? Verse 17 tells us or answers the question, what do they offer? They offer us wells with uh, well uh, wells without water. Promises that are empty. Lessons, Bible lessons that we walk away and we think, wow, what did I learn? Emptiness, great swelling words of wisdom that are just empty and meaningless. Clouds that are carried with a tempest. In other, in other words, the picture here is clouds that don't give you any rain. They're worthless. They're just clouds. What does a false prophet give us? A bunch of empty, vain words that really mean nothing. In John chapter 4, verses 9 to 14, it says, uh, Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, Who is it that, uh, excuse me, how is it uh, that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me? which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith uh, to thee, uh, Give me to drink, thou wouldst uh, have asked him, and he would have given thee living water. And the woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then uh, hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us uh, the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him as a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Again, I ask you, who are they? These are people that teach the Bible but leave you empty. These are people that teach the Bible, but everything has to be about them and not Jesus Christ. True Bible teaching should point us where? To Jesus Christ. Because he's the only one who's going to satisfy that need in our lives. He's the only one. Who are they? Okay, so... We, we talked about who they are, letter B. How do we identify them? I gave you four points here 
on on getting there. But let, let's. It really boils down to to really one thing, and Jesus tells us. In, in actuality, <clears throat> we don't really need to identify them because they give themselves away. How do we how do we identify them? Verse sixteen: You shall know them by their fruits. You'll know them by their fruits. And then he goes in and talks about, you know, good trees cannot bring forth bad fruit. Bad trees can't bring forth good fruit. You know, basically, a, a, a tree is going to produce what it produces. And a false teacher is always going to produce hypocrisy, emptiness, vanity, Question. I want you to think about this because this is this is really important to to the to the context of what Jesus is trying to teach us here. <clears throat> what is the thing that a teacher produces? Okay, I didn't think about that. Okay. <laughs> But, okay, what I came up with, what does a teacher produce? A, a teacher produces two things, words and actions, right? That's, that's the fruit that you're going to see from a teacher. Fruit that a teacher produces is going to be words and actions. And Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, <clears throat> but those things which proceed out of the mouth, cometh forth from the heart. And they defile the man. <clears throat> so, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Jesus tells us that the problem is a heart problem with the false teacher. It's the problem of the heart. And then Jesus tells us in Matthew 15 that what is that whatever's in the heart is going to be what comes out, the fruit, if you would, that comes out. If we have an evil heart, what's going to be produced? Evil. If we have a pure heart, so on and so forth. In Luke chapter 11, verse 39, and the Lord said unto him, Now do ye Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but the inward part is full of uh, ravening and wickedness. Have you ever been to a restaurant? <clears throat> I almost said the black bear, but I won't do that. <laughs> No, seriously. Have you ever been to a restaurant where uh, you, you know you sit down and you and you and you order a, a cup of coffee, and you get to the bottom of the coffee and and there's something in the bottom of the cup, some nasty, some kind of residue. <clears throat> oh, I have. It's 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 horrible. Or or lipstick, yeah. But but you know on the on the outside that cup looks looks great, but when you get down to the bottom. I, I, 
Well, let, let me let me do that. I had a I had a coffee cup one time, and I, I actually I bought it from my mom when I was in high school, because um, she liked frogs. And it was this coffee cup. It was it was really kind of a big mug, but in the bottom of the coffee cup was a, was a frog. So we used to give it to guests when they would come over. And they'd fill it up with coffee, and then they'd, you know, they'd be drinking, and they looked out, oh, yeah, see, see this frog. But that's kind, of what, that's kind of what Jesus has telling us here. It looks good on the outside, but what's, what's on the inside? And, and we know because of chapter, uh, 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 verse 15 that, that, uh, that these false prophets are wearing sheep's clothing, so they look good on the outside. But the problem is a heart problem. The book of James that we've been going through, uh, the men's Bible study, we've been going through the, the book of James, and, and we talked about this some um, uh, Saturday, yesterday, um, yesterday morning. <clears throat> but in chapter 3 uh, in the book of James, James is the, the book of James is probably the most critical book on the tongue than any other book in the Bible. I, I, there, there may be other portions like in uh, song, uh, Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastes, but I mean, James just jumps on it. I mean, he steps, he steps on it hard. Because what we're talking about here is the false prophet and the fruit that they are going to display is words how important are words that we say? Very important. So let's see what James has to say. James chapter one and uh, chapter three and verse one. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing uh, that ye shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offer all. If any man offer not uh, in word, the same is a perfect man, but able also to bridle the whole body. So let's stop right there. Uh, and we're, you know, the, we're going to be covering this in the men's Bible study in a, in a couple of months. But I just want to, I want to talk about this because <clears throat> what what is he saying? The, the the end part here. What 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 is he saying? What what is the 21st century? Translation of what James is saying here. Well, no. If if we control our mouths, then we can control everything about our lives. Let's continue reading. Behold, we put bits in horses' mouth that they may obey us, and we turn them about their their whole body. In other words. You put a bit in a horse's mouth, what do you do? You know, all it takes is a gentle pull on the rein. And what's that horse going to do? It, it's going to turn. Just a little piece of metal. How, how much does a horse weigh? Yeah, 12, yeah, that's about what I was thinking, 1,200 pounds. You can, you can take a 1,200-pound animal that literally could crush you to death, and you can do, make it do what you want with a little piece of metal in its mouth. Behold also a ship 
which though they may be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listed. How many of you like history? I love history. Do, do any of you ever heard of the Bismarck? Okay, the Bismarck was a, a, a battleship. It was the state-of-the-art battleship. It took out it took out the Brit, a, a British battleship, and and when it when they when they engaged within minutes, the Bismarck took out the hood, the British the British uh, HMS hood, within minutes. I mean, this thing was was incredible. But do you do you know? how the British finally sank the Bismarck. They, they, had, no gun, they had no ship that had a, a, a gun big enough to hit the Bismarck before the Bismarck could hit it. Does that make sense? So how did they do it? Anybody know? Rick? A torpedo happened to hit the rudder. And it, and it jammed the rudder. So the Bismarck, all it could do is go in circles. And it just sat there. And they were able then, because it would, you know, that way they, they, they couldn't aim their guns or anything. And they could get in close enough and they could bomb it and they took it out. All because of one little torpedo on a biplane, if you know anything about airplanes, very slow moving biplane with one torpedo on it, just happened to hit the rudder and took out the most advanced ship in the world at the time. All because of the rudder. And Jesus here likens our tongues to, to the rudder on a ship. And if we can't control it, our tongue is going to control us. Even so, in verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire can kindle. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that defile the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. And it is uh, set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast of the birds and the serpents of the, the things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, with and, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be. And in a nutshell, what is James saying? God has given us the, the tongue. And what, what is produced is a reflection of what is in the heart. And he sums it up by saying, can you go back to verse 9, please, Chris? <clears throat> therewith bless we God, and uh, even the Father, and therewith curse we men. 
with the same, the same device that God gave us. We can pr sing praises to God and, and give glory to God and then turn around and curse our brothers and sisters in Christ. Question. How do we identify them? How do we, how do we identify false teachers in our church? By their fruit. What they say. How they act. That's how we know. They give themselves away eventually. Question. Well, maybe not. I, I, I'll, I'll forego that question. I was reading an article recently, and I, <clears throat> I, I, <laughs> I, I read the title, and I started to skim the article, and, and uh, we were, we were in Reno, and I just handed my phone to Melanie. I said, "Here, look at this." And so she started reading the article to, to, to me as we were driving down the road. And um, uh, the, the, the title of the article was Pastor in Texas Commits Suicide, um, something, something like that. So then when you start reading the article, uh, this pastor <clears throat> that committed suicide, wasn't it in, in Texas? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, I, th I think it was in Texas. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, but he was a cross-dresser. And he had a social media account under his pseudonym, and he w was posting all kind of vile things on the internet. And a local newspaper found it and and it, it, it exposed him. Uh, but they 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 came to him before they published the article, and he you know got a, to get a comment from him. And first off, he begged them not to publish the article, but they, they told him that they were going to do it. But <clears throat> he, this is what he said. I, 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 he said, what I do in my personal life is separate from what I do in my spiritual life. <laughs> no. No. Because, because this is a perfect example, I think, this is a perfect example of what is in the heart is going to come out. It's, it's going to come out. And, and he, can, he can think all day long that what he does in his personal life is separate from what he does in spiritual life, but to my understanding of the Bible, the two things are the same. Especially for a pastor. So, how do we identify them? We identify them by their fruits. Now, one of the, <clears throat> one of the, um, for a pastor, one of the good things about expository preaching is uh, I don't pick and choose my sermons. <laughs> I just go through what Jesus says and I just, you know, I explain it. Now, I know this is kind of a, what I would consider a heavy message. 
but obviously is something we need to talk about as a church because Jesus talked about it actually multiple times. And it's something that we need to be aware of because we need to be harmless as doves, but wise as serpents. Did I get that backwards? Anyway, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Why? Because there are people out there that want to destroy the cause of Christ. And everything is about them and not Jesus Christ. Yes? I have kind of a dumb question. There is no such thing as a dumb question. I don't, I don't, okay, I don't necessarily think, okay, her question, if you didn't hear it, is do, do all false prophets know that they are false prophets? I don't necessarily believe that every false prophet knows that he's a false prophet, but I do know that every false prophet knows that everything has to be about them. Does that make sense? Yeah, John? Exactly, exactly. The, the, one, the one characteristic <clears throat> from talking with Pastor Perry, what he said, and then things that I've observed over the years, is that, that every person that I've ever come in contact um, in our church and then in other churches um, that have tried to stir up trouble in our church, uh, and some of them honestly have been successful, um, Every, the, the one characteristic that is across the board is the, 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 the selfishness. Everything has to be about them. Yeah. So I, I, do, I do have a question. And I find it a bit humorous. Um, I do have a question. I find it a bit humorous. How do you, how do you get them all being over the age of 60? I, I don't know. That's a, that was just what he said. He said... They're always old men, and they always start in the book of Revelation. I, how he came up with that, I don't know. But that's just what he said. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. But it just, it, it was just, it was just his observation that I found to be, yeah. But, but, you know, the unfortunate truth to that is that is what he's experienced, you know. And the, and the reality is there are people out there that want to destroy the cause of Christ. And we, as a church, need to be aware. Yes? Uh, the other thing I've uh, noticed is that they always have to be right. Yes. And they have yes. to Yes. Yeah, you can never question... No. You can never question one. No, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every yeah. And that, that that goes to the narcissistic tendencies of of a false teacher. Everything has to be and if you question them, um, and yeah, it gets ugly fast. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that, I guess that kind of goes along with the whole, like, you can't, you, you're not allowed to question it. If anybody has an opinion other than that this is the correct church, you aren't allowed to, you cannot listen to it. Right. 
Right. The other thing I was going to say is that I, I feel like um, like there's been this audio that's been going around online that people have been attaching to like a video about motherhood and, and about you know like the difficulties and the joys and um, the moment that I heard it I was like uh uh-uh. uh and I was like that's that's a Mormon prophet like I've heard that voice before <laughs> and, I, and it was and but I think that a lot of times there's that piece where there, you know something so touching and understanding and so uplifting towards one right. section of your life that is valid but if you figure out who it actually is coming from right it's Right. You know, and that one of the characteristics of, of false prophets is the fact that my experience has been 98, 97% of what they say is true. But it's that, that yeah, yeah, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And it's that little bit of untruth that Satan can use in the heart of a believer than to question the entire truth. Does that make sense? I've seen Satan, I've seen people get planted little ideas in their heads and they eventually they end up walking away from God because of the doubt. The truth was in it, but there was just a little bit of doubt. A little bit of false. Now we're going late. It's you guys' fault. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, absolutely. That's a huge red, red flag. Right. No, no, never. I, I, I actually get really scared when anybody says, trust me. I, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not talking, I'm not talking, I, I'm talking about just about anything. Uh, you know, but I, I can stand up here and say, trust this. It's not me. Don't trust me. In fact, I, I, I you know, one of the things that, you know, Lori Swank, when Lori was still alive, she Monday morning, I could almost count on every Monday morning getting a text questioning something I said in the sermon. What did you mean by this? Yeah, what did you mean by this? And but you know what? I did not I, I did not dislike that. I I appreciated her questioning me. Exactly. Exactly. Right, absolutely. Right, right, absolutely. Anybody else? Yeah, it was. It's funny. Every Monday for years, I'd be in there brushing my teeth, and 
my phone will go ding. 